Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. And I'm Anthony Lowe, the physio detective. Together, we interview leading authorities, answer questions, and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that our materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and for entertainment purposes only. They are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now it's time to get cracking with the episode. So whether you're out walking your dog, driving the kids to school, or just sitting back enjoying a glass of wine, we hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us on the Women's Health Podcast. We've got Hayley Shevner with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you, Mother. She had you. She did all the hard work. That's true. <laughs> she did. I have. <laughs> um, I thought today we could talk about uh, pelvic organ prolapse, mm-hmm. your journey, and um, one of the things that you raised up uh, in the course, in the course in San Francisco, the female athlete course that you assisted on. Thank you very much for helping out on that. That was Absolutely. great. Awesome. Um, one of the bits of wisdom that I loved you sharing was the normalization of pelvic organ prolapse and the language around it. Even raising the fact that, you know, you needed that that diagnosis because there was this loss of I don't know who I am, I don't know and it helped transition you and you know, even holding it for a little while allowed you to process things and then move on from that. Mm-hmm. Like I loved all of that. Uh, Great. <laughs> so I, I, want... I don't remember saying any of it, <laughs> but we'll we'll get there. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my job is to try to draw it out, right? Okay. <laughs> so, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself okay. and um, tell us about your story. All right. Um, so I had a son about four years ago, and. Um, Pretty straightforward pregnancy. Uh, there was nothing particularly interesting about it um, in terms of like physical stuff going on. I uh, had a very long, uh, pretty arduous labor, uh, vaginal delivery, um, pretty, you know, quote unquote normal. Uh, very long second stage, long, long labor, but other than that, nothing, uh, nothing particularly interesting. Uh, And, you know, was in a hospital that was, uh, the labor and delivery segment was midwife run. And so, um, you know, that was, everybody seemed to just be like, "Mm, cool, business as usual, all seems fine carry on. And I went home uh, having no idea what to expect and felt, I'm not sure, <laughs> as I think most women do when they have their first child. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, but then I started to feel pretty good. And uh, I was only able to take about five weeks off of work. And so returned back to work five weeks postpartum. Uh, as a personal trainer, which I had been doing um, at that point for about 10 years, and went back to the gym, was working with clients, and then started my own workouts shortly thereafter. Uh, And I immediately started training for a kettlebell certification, thinking that, you know, that was a great time to do that. I had my son in February, and I believe the kettlebell certification was in October of that year, and you know, to set the stage a little bit, I'd had 
a couple pre-postnatal certifications and uh, you can maybe hear the change in my voice because I, I don't think that they never necessarily certified me to do a whole lot uh, other than think that I knew what I needed to know without actually covering anything related to the pelvic floor. <laughs> Uh, or the abdominal wall for that matter. Um, but I had these certifications. I felt like I was qualified um, to be navigating this own process for me. Um, and so I went about my way and I started training for this certification. And around like six, four to six months, I started to feel just some discomfort in my tailbone. I started to experience more back pain than I'd had previously started to have some symptoms that I didn't necessarily attribute to this process of pregnancy and birth and postpartum, uh, but just didn't particularly love what I was feeling and just felt this general sense of weakness. And I knew from, I don't know how I knew, but I knew that it was a good idea to meet with a pelvic floor PT. And so I did that and had an initial appointment right around four months postpartum. and was pretty uneventful. Uh, basically, everything seems relatively average. Um, we were mostly focused on the tailbone. And there was a, a mention of, oh, you know, it seems like there's some descent of your bladder. But that was it in terms of discussion. And I didn't pursue that any further because I didn't particularly want to know what that meant. <laughs> and I figured if it had been a bigger deal, it would have been brought more to my attention. Uh, and it just seemed like a kind of passing comment. And fast forward, um, I eventually did not end up taking the certification because I just <coughs> continued to not feel great. And so continue on to about uh, 13 months postpartum. And I spent a long weekend in LA and I was with my son and he would not sleep and we were in a hotel, I was going to a fitness conference, and I decided to strap him on and do, I think I ended up doing about two and a half hours of stairs with him, wearing him, um, which was tiring, and it was, I mean, we started at like four in the morning and just went up a like 30 flight stairwell again and again and again. Did that two times in a row, didn't really notice anything at that point. Uh, but at the end of this particularly stressful weekend, physical stress, emotional stress, flying for the first time with a kid, I don't like flying anyway, uh, I, I felt very distinctly that something was different and something was wrong. And it felt like things had just kind of sunk in my pelvis. And I felt a sense of heaviness dragging um, and at that point had switched over from running my own business to working uh, exclusively with perinatal women. So I was working with people with pelvic organ prolapse, I was talking to them about prolapse, I was very aware of what that was and so I immediately knew what I was managing and the comment previously about this descent that I had been exhibiting made a lot more sense. Uh, so I went back and to the PT and got an immediate like, oh yeah, this is worse. This is definitely worse. Um, I see what you mean. I see why you're having these symptoms. Um, and that was, that was all I remember. Uh, I don't know if there was more discussion about what specifically was occurring, um, but my brain kind of shut off at that point. And then 
woke up again when I started to talk about what that meant for me and being someone that was advising people on prolapse and thought I had a good understanding of it. Um, I asked that question completely out of fear because what I was telling people at the time uh, was beyond conservative and I had at that point only seen maybe two people out of my like 40 person client load who said that they had prolapse. So I thought of it as extremely rare uh, in a worst case scenario. And so that's where my brain went to that, oh shit, here I am. Extremely rare, worst case scenario. And I started talking with the PT about what she recommended and it was, you know, walking, if that felt okay, avoiding downhill walking, considering taking a car to get down from the hill after I climbed up the hill. Um, you know, I live in San Francisco and if anyone is familiar with San Francisco, I would be taking 40 cabs to go to work. Totally <laughs> flat. Totally flat. Extremely flat. And, um, you know, so that, that in and of itself was, was enough to kind of, it, it was said, I think in sort of jest, but it wasn't funny to me. And it, and it seemed, it seemed so pathetic to me that that recommendation was made and that it was kind of made with a smirk and like, she knew it was a dumb idea and she said it anyway and that made me feel like wow this is so bad that like someone can't even give me a better recommendation and they're having trouble telling me what their recommendation even is mm -hmm. and it was you know um have you done uh, do you like swimming could you do that could you take that up i i don't and cannot swim <laughs> so no uh and i did not particularly want to learn uh, also, San Francisco, not exactly a like pool city. Um, and then it was kind of like, you know, well, you could do some bodyweight squats. And I asked about, you know, how I should be implementing that. And it was kind of like, well, you know, I think you could, um, you could exhale or you could inhale or you could kind of play and see. It was very vague. And what it felt like to me was that this person was unclear of what to tell me. And because of that, I felt like, wow, I was so, so messed up and so broken that this person whose job it is to tell me what I should be doing can't even figure it out. And I left uh, and walked out the door and was trying not to cry and walking home. Um, you know, every time I'd go down a slight decline, I was just, you know, terrified of what was going to happen next. And my symptoms intensified as the day went on, as the days thereafter went on, and they got to a point where it became completely consuming. And I was on Google trying to find as much information as I possibly can, which, you know, I think it's a little bit better now when you Google, but I still wouldn't recommend it. Uh, and it was pretty grave. And I found myself on all of these websites and forums where everything was bleak and seemed that everything was destined to get worse. That was a very matter of fact statement. Uh, and I took it at face value because I didn't see anything to suggest otherwise. And I became immersed in surgeons and uh, these websites that were kind of strange and also very, very depressing. And 
I would just walk to work on my phone reading through things and that's kind of how I deal with a lot of things in life. I, I fill myself with as much information as possible. I'm the person where there's a horrible thing that's happened and I'm parked in front of the TV or looking at every news feed uh, as it's refreshing and so I just infiltrated myself with all of this trauma um, and that was the only thing I could think about. And shortly thereafter, a lot of stuff started to unravel in my life, just absent of, or independent of this. Um, my father-in-law died um, after a really long battle with cystic fibrosis, uh, which was kind of amazing. He was 60 years old. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, but he, he died, uh, which was hard and, and obviously upsetting. And uh, it was recommended to me that I might benefit from weaning my son. Um, and it wasn't it, that wasn't a recommendation that was suggested like you should do this there because you'll feel better But it was mentioned as a as a potential thing and so I had decided was already kind of at that point anyway um, But in the next couple months I started the weaning process Which was another thing that people didn't really talk about the potential that I would have an emotional response to that um, so I'm, I'm going through all of this emotional stuff and my central focus is this prolapse diagnosis that is consuming and uh, my relationship suffered. My, I completely stopped doing all activity um, because I was terrified and I felt like I felt symptomatic all the time and that confirmed at the time for me that you know everything was terrible and that I was just going to make things worse. I spent uh, I would, in between clients, um, and sometimes even during clients, if I had to like give somebody a 10 pound dumbbell, I would freak out and totally panic and I would go into the bathroom and check and see what was happening in my pelvic floor and I did that, I don't know, probably a hundred times a day to the point where it was just this constant checking and, uh, and filling my feed with information that all confirmed that it, this was indeed the worst case scenario, and I felt like this would just be the trajectory that continued to occur. Um, and you know, if, if you haven't figured out by now, I, I tend to trend this way <laughs> towards other things as well. And so, you know, this is not this was not a shocking thing for me, but I I had any control over what I was feeling, uh, both physically and emotionally. And I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to talk to my husband. I didn't want to talk to the people I worked with because they too felt like, oh yeah, prolapse. Oh, that's so sad. And that's so crushing. I'm so sorry. And you know, this just like devastating thing. Um, it was hard for me to participate in Facebook groups um, around this topic because again, worst case scenario kept coming up. It was like, oh, you know, you these are some things you might experience postpartum, uh, list, 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 diastasis, urinary incontinence, and then, you know, ugh, hopefully you don't get prolapse, yeah. but that is something that can happen. And then, you know, who knows where we are in timeline, roughly 16 months-ish, uh, I saw that you were coming to the Bay Area to uh, present your course, um, and I signed up for that. And you also noted that you were doing some one-on-one -on -one time, and I booked into that. And uh, I had been familiar with your work and, and the work of some other people that were talking about prolapse and other issues in a slightly different way. 
uh, and that was that was exciting for me, uh, and that was kind of this glimmer of like maybe there's something that I can get from this. But I also just kind of believed that it wouldn't apply to me because I had such clear signs that everything was always going to be awful. And so I went through that course, uh, which was great. And then I think a couple days later, we had an initial session. Um, and uh, I don't really remember, I, I, that's not true. I remember telling you about how I was feeling and I remember you asking me questions and not really leading either way. And I had had such a clear, um, clear feedback from the PT that I had seen uh, in terms of like, oh yeah, this is definitely worth, this is really bad. Like that was very clear to me. And when I was talking to you, you didn't give me any, anything. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't really sure what that meant or where, where that was going. Um, but I, I was curious and I, you were doing a bunch of things and I, I was like, mm, I don't know where this is going, but okay, seems nice. And, uh, and uh, so we, we then eventually got to moving. I don't really remember the segue from like being in the room talking about stuff to moving. And, and you were just kind of bringing me through some basic movements that I've done for years, you know, step ups and squats and hinging and lunging and things like that. Um, you had me do a push up and things like this. And uh, I remember thinking like, well, this is pretty standard and <laughs> You know, this is this is some pretty basic stuff. Like, you know, but you gave me permission to try it in different ways, and uh, you know, had been very rigid. Uh, I had been very rigid previously in terms of technique and and what something should look like and how it should feel. Even if it didn't feel good on my body, I still had to do it that way because that was the right way. And you gave me um, a couple things that you were like, well, you could try it this way and see what that feels like and you know I the next thing I remember from that day was the uh, cab ride home and just feeling this sense of hope and like lightness uh, after having felt like I was kind of living in a cave up until that point and like suddenly I was like wow oh, look the Golden Gate Bridge we were in Marin across the bridge and I was like oh it's so beautiful you know I just had this feeling of things are gonna be okay maybe and, uh, and that, that maybe was, was such a huge difference from how I had been feeling the previous months. Uh, and it, you know, one of the things that you said was to go back into the gym and to start playing around with things because my goals were all related to wanting to get back to strength training, wanting to work back up to working with kettlebells and, and all of these things that I felt like were never going to happen for me. And so that's what I did. I think I did that the next day. And, uh, and I just started to play with some really basic stuff. And I started, I, I felt mostly okay, um, maybe confused that I felt mostly okay, but I felt mostly okay. And I continued to try and I continued to feel mostly okay. Uh, and it kind of just had this domino effect from there. And I started to feel a little bit more comfortable playing around with things and, um, and going back to some, some movements that I had tried before, or uh, that I had tried before that hadn't felt good, and they, and they started to feel good again. And I took that as permission to continue on that process, um, which is a process I'm still on. And 
Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I find that people ask me, you know, what did you do? What, what was the most helpful thing? And I think what they're asking for is like, well, I did three sets of 10 kegels and I held them for five minutes and then I did some hypopressives and then I did some of this, you know, really linear like rehab program and I really didn't do much of that. Um, I'd had a pretty solid base. My pelvic floor hadn't, had tested pretty well for the most part. Um, and so my, my particular issue was not necessarily a significant strength deficit at the time and so you know I, I mentioned that because for some people that more beginning process is going to be really important um, that wasn't necessarily my next step that I needed to take at that point and it really was that I changed the way that I thought about things and that I changed what it meant to me and what I felt comfortable exploring and and who I felt comfortable talking to and uh, and you know, I would start to explore movement, but I also started exploring just being more open about what I was going through. I started a Facebook group called Pop Fitness about people wanting to return to exercise, managing prolapse, uh, and I just started to open my possibilities, um, and it made a massive difference. Uh, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the like, how did I get from the very beginning to the like, I guess, diving board in, in a sense where I could jump off from there and start to kind of explore how I wanted to swim, although I cannot swim again, still not swimming, <laughs> but metaphorically swimming uh, and figuring out, you know, how I wanted to go from there. Yeah, it's, um, if, if I can speak about mm -hmm. what I was thinking during that consult mm -hmm. was um, it used to be in the course foot in the door technique with you because mm -hmm. you know when you said oh, this is pretty standard stuff right. I could feel that <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was very much I just remember thinking okay she's really worried about these things and so you know checked your coordination checked your contractions tested you testing okay let's get you up we got kicked out do you remember because Deanna, mm, Deanna had yeah, a patient sure. she needed the room right so that's why we ended up in the courtyard doing uh, all the step ups and the lunges and the worked out yeah it worked out really good because like, I had to find that stuff anyway yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah it was just allowing you time like to me it was the same process mm -hmm. with small stuff sure and then bigger stuff and then biggest and I remember on the step up I remember some pushback like mm -hmm. that but it's not right to do it this way mm -hmm. and I remember saying but how do you feel mm -hmm. and it's like well I feel better doing it this way mm -hmm. and it's like well then that's okay mm -hmm. and just that you know that confusion and that right. working it through like that really stands out in my memory right um and that's when I thought yeah okay she's got it mm -hmm. like I got it there yeah uh, <laughs> Which is so interesting because I I think what I'm thinking right now is kind of important. I don't know if it's going to come across, if it's just in my head that it sounds important, but I don't remember what you had me do. I don't remember the adjustments or the modifications or whatever. I don't remember any of the shifting that we did. Um, and that to me is, is relevant because it suggests that like we weren't looking for right, we were just looking for something different. And, uh, you know, had it been the right answer, I think I would have remembered it. 
but I don't, I have no recollection of what the shift was or what I had been doing before, or, you know, I don't know if either of those things would feel better or worse for me now, um, which I think is very exciting and liberating and also really confusing for a lot of people uh, initially, and especially people who are kind of working through this process in the very beginning and, and kind of having to navigate it maybe on their own a little bit more as well. Mm. Yeah, and that is the process, right? Like, right. because I would have put it on you right. to tell me what something different is. Right. And then, okay, let's try that. Right. Um, whereas most of the time, and I think you referred to it, is that you're looking to the therapist to right. give you direction, to give right. you the answers. And, right. And, you know, you tend to remember that because yep. you remember what they said. And, right. Whereas you're like, I don't remember what we did in the session <laughs> because you came up with the stuff. And right. It would have been confusing at the time. Right. Um, one of the things also that, you know, in talking, um, what I would love for you to go through, what some of the standard common pieces of advice, you've already told us some, mm -hmm. but some of the standard things that you hear in the public PT world, in the public health world, public organ prolapse world, mm -hmm. that might need challenging or mm -hmm. at least questions asked about that. Like sure. What's some of these common things that people are often told that may not be as true as mm -hmm. um, what they seem? Yeah, so before I will even talk about what the exercises are, I'll talk about two words that I think we could perhaps get away from. Uh, always and never. Always exhale on exertion. Always lift your pelvic floor when you blah, blah, blah. Always do this, that, and the other thing and never uh, hold your breath, never strain, never get to a point where something feels challenging, um, never sit up again, never, etc. cetera. Uh, any time something is always a never when we're talking about an individual spectrum, I think that should raise a big red flag. Um, and I've always felt that way, but in this particular thing, and I think this is true for a lot of people, both going through this experience and also trying to coach other people through it, we kind of leave all of that nuance behind. We suddenly are identified as prolapse and then, okay, well, the, the rules don't apply anymore. There's, there aren't any considerations, it's just what it is. Um, and then things like no wide squats, no, um, there's a website that referred to them as man push-ups. Uh, just a standard push-up with a fully extended knee. Yeah. Uh, I call them harder push-ups. Yeah, sure. Push-ups on your toes. Just push-ups <laughs> and uh, uh, sit-ups, crunches, uh, weightlifting, lower body weightlifting, um, which I always thought was kind of interesting. You'll see the recommendations where it's like, if you're doing upper body stuff, that's fine allegedly, but if you're lifting weights and working with your lower body, then suddenly it's not fine. Uh, running, impact, um, basic things like picking up a toddler, uh, baby wearing, the, I mean, I could make a 600 page list on all of the things that over the years I've heard and read um, but those were, those were some of the big ones that stood out for me. Definitely no kettlebells. And it was always, the website always said kettleballs, which was like, okay, so I'm not even sure what the tool is, but we definitely know that it's wrong. Um, barbells, any, anything that resembled, basically if I wanted to do it, uh, it was on the no list. 
and the the like okay list was always yoga, Pilates, uh, maybe Pilates. That's ooh, that's a little dicey. Um, swimming, everybody loves swimming. Um, walking, you know, maybe. Uh, and that was that was pretty limited. Not up the that. hill, right? No, not well, not down the hill. You can go up the hill, but you oh, got to so take. Oh, so you got to take down the hill. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, which like to talk about the downhill thing, like I can laugh about it now, but I did feel, and I understand why some people will feel more symptomatic going downhill. Absolutely. There's more impact uh, potentially if you're, well, you know, you piss, yeah, you put yourself in a different position. You have to yeah. break. And you know these hills are steep too. It's not just like a gentle um, kind of slope. It's like you're like climbing San down. Francisco. Um, and so it just confirmed. You know, whenever I would have an experience that, you know, if I did a push up, for instance, and if it didn't feel good one time, and I had seen that that was on the no list, then it was like, oh well, right, obviously. Hmm. And you know the wide squat thing or like lateral lunges, which quite frankly have never really felt great for me and my body. Um, I would do one and would be like, yeah, yeah, this doesn't feel so good. And then it was like, oh, well, right, because of this thing. It was on this list, like, geez, you could have just read the list and you would have known that. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you, we get very boxed into these lists and you know, they, we believe that the list will keep us safe. And so of course we want the list. You know, I think that at times I've been very frustrated by the fact that this list exists and the fact that we're subscribing to this idea that we need to outsource our intuition and our experience in our body to something that some random website says uh, that, by the way, is not attached to any research and definitely not research that applies to me. Uh, but, you know, I understand why we want the list. Like, I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel like I was doing the right thing. Um, I had, there's so much attached to the idea of prolapse that suggests that you caused it, which was really the biggest thing for me. It wasn't so much the physical thing. Um, I didn't really care, quite frankly, what my vagina looked like. It didn't really look that different to me. I was like, oh, whatever. Um, I didn't really, the symptoms were bothersome, but what was the most upsetting was the shame that was attached and the feeling that I should have known better and that if I'd done things differently, I would have been able to avoid this and that therefore it was my fault. And that was the thing that was so hard and detrimental and, uh, and that made me so emotional about it. Uh, I don't know how we got there, but yeah, the lists are, problematic. <laughs> it's a nice segue because I was going to ask you about, like you talked about the feelings and we've talked about your story to the diving board and mm -hmm. you know, you've launched off into the pool that you'll never swim in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can doggy paddle maybe. <laughs> you, you'll stay alive long enough that yeah. someone can come for you. Sure. But um, how, how from, from that point, how did it go and how were you made to feel exploring while still, you know, because this is three years ago, um, still having the majority of the pelvic world still very mm -hmm. conservative and restrictive yeah. um, and not even with the evidence that, right. um, that shows how, how were you made to feel, especially because you know, you're not a physical therapist. Right. Um, so of yeah. course, what would you know? Right, I um, felt I felt like the perception was that I was reckless. 
And at times I internalized that and I felt reckless. I felt like I would feel okay um, and I would feel better. Uh, and sometimes I would have an influx in symptoms one day and you know I would go down that thought spiral of like, oh right, you, you're going into treacherous territory and uh, you know you better watch out because you're just kind of asking for this. And I felt like I was, yeah, sneaking. I felt like I was 16, sneaking out of my house, walking down a back alley, and going to buy some drugs. And, <laughs> but at any point, my mom or the cops were gonna show up, and I was gonna get busted, and I was gonna go to jail, and it was just gonna be this whole thing. Like, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And I felt like, I couldn't talk about it initially, um, and I didn't really initially start talking about it on social media until a little bit later, because I felt like people were just going to look at me and say, well, you know, you'll just wait and see. Here, and you know, you can do that now, I guess. You're take If you want to take that risk, mm -hmm. um, then go ahead, I guess. But mm, uh, this is not something I would do. Mm. And, uh, you know, that attitude of kind of like, wow. Or, on the other hand, I would get this like, wow, you're, you're really breaking the mold, which is, is the same statement, just in a different way. It was this idea of like, this is so obscure and so out there that, uh, you know, that I was doing all of these things that, you know, I, I mean, they weren't even that interesting or impressive to me in terms of what I had been doing previously or what I would want to do. Um, but they were so different from the standard, you know, sit on the stability ball with your five pound weights and, you know, make sure you exhale at the right time because otherwise, whoo, you're setting yourself up. Um, and luckily I was working, at that point I had seen Diana, who we mentioned, uh, and she had been really affirming in a, and she was very, she was very like, oh yeah, like, mm, seems, I mean, mm, seems pretty good to me. Like it was very, just very nonchalant and, and borderline blase in some ways, which was exactly what I needed and might not have been what somebody else in that situation needed, but I really needed someone to be like, eh, looks fine, carry on. <laughs> and that, I really resonate with that. Um, and she, she was exactly that for me and she was really encouraging and I would see her a couple more times and uh, we started to work towards what I ultimately wanted to do was do another uh, or do the kettlebell certification. So I was really lucky that I had that uh, support and that I could engage with you and you know fortunately for me this was roughly around the time when the discussion of prolapse started to shift and I would end up finding a couple people, like two or three, who had, you know, they'd gotten back to running or they'd also started doing some strength training that was, you know, contrary to the typical recommendations. So there started to be some, there was a network that was building and so I wasn't the only one. Um, but I did feel, I felt like it was negligent if I posted on my social media and I felt like it was setting me up for people to kind of side eye me and uh, especially the PT world, which I was, you know, was really, I, I looked up to the PT and, and still do in many ways and felt like, you know, well, I'm just this lowly peasant trainer and like, phew, what do I know? And 
you know, um, how could I possibly have any idea on what's happening here and I have to appease and make sure that the PTs I am talking to know like how, uh, how much I'm thinking about this or that, you know, I've been working with someone in person. Like I felt like I had to prove that I was eligible to be doing these things. Justify yourself. Yeah, you know? I felt like I had to justify myself on every thing I said or posted or, you know, um, I couldn't just move and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. And so to bring that story full circle, mm -hmm. what happened with that Russian kettlebell thing? I passed. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I crushed the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just like a level one course, right? That was, I mean, that was first the level one, and then I went on to do level two. Um, but I did the level one, and I emailed the instructor. Um, it was really important for me to let the head instructor know that I was managing this thing, and that I wasn't looking for um, a, an excuse. I wasn't looking for any kind of special treatment, but I was looking for the you know, first just getting it off my chest so that it wasn't just I was going to walk in there nervous and then it's like, okay, we're jumping into this thing that I may not have felt comfortable doing and then I was going to have to figure out what I was going to do. I wanted to give him a heads up beforehand and just said, like, I am fully committed to having to fulfill all of the requirements for the test and I'm not asking for any kind of special interest on that. But just so you know, if there's a time when maybe I'm feeling like I'm a little bit fatigued and I want to step back a little bit more, um, I'm going to go ahead and do that and be have, take ownership of that process for me. And you know, just in case you notice that, like I'm okay, but I might need a break. And uh, I kind of set that up and he was really supportive and um, was like, you know, I have some basic knowledge of what this thing is, what prolapse is, and uh, you know your body best and take what you need. And like, we're, he, there's a, in case people don't know, there's a stigma attached to the Russian kettlebell world that it's very macho and Russian and <laughs> that, you know, it's very like, you know, you'll do this and if you don't do this, then you're not going to pass anything. And it's very like, huh. And uh, I was, I was aware of that. And there's a high fail rate, and it's supposed to be this like really difficult, physically challenging thing that you know, even fully, you know, what I had perceived as fully capable people, which was the box I didn't put myself in. It's supposed to be difficult even for them. And so you know, for someone like me, it's going to be really difficult. And uh, yeah, and he, he was just basically like, look, we're, we're trying to get away from that image of having this be such a like difficult physical task and make it more about coaching certification, which is what the actual certification is supposed to enable you to do. Um, but yeah, it's got a five minute snatch test. You have to be able to demonstrate all of these technical skills that were all on the no list. Overhead pressing, goblet squatting, uh, Turkish get-upping, swinging, snatching, all of these things that um, you know were definitely on the no prolapse list. Uh, but I, I finished the snatch test before anybody did. I, I had like almost two minutes to spare. Uh, everybody else was like huffing and puffing and I was just kind of walking around, which is not a competition, but I felt a little bit of pride about that. All the same weight, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, men and women are different, but uh, yeah. So but you were doing the same as all the yeah. other women. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And um, 
yeah, and I, I did really well on all of the technique tests, and, and I basically whizzed through the weekend, which I was not anticipating. I went in just wanting to be able to say that I did it, and, uh, and then I had no, no problems passing it. And I would go on to do the second level as well, um, no problems passing that either. Um, no, I felt fatigued, just like everybody else felt fatigued, um, but I didn't have um, I didn't have this influx in symptoms that I was exp uh, expecting to have. Um, I, I went to the gym the next day and was just super pumped to go swing more kettlebells, and so that's what I did. Um, but I, I went into that certification knowing that it was really important to me and that I was willing to quote unquote risk the potential that I could make everything worse. And I took that on and did it knowing that and knowing that I was, I was open to that outcome. And, uh, and I it was not the thing that happened, which was fortunate for me. But, um, you know, I think that with deciding to do things that matter to me and deciding that I was going to be more vocal about what I was doing, I was taking ownership over my story, my body, my choices, and bringing myself back to the autonomy that I had been giving up in looking at the websites and in looking for someone else to tell me what was okay for me to do. And I'm a very independent only child who does not like to be told what to do. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I had forfeited a lot of that autonomy, which was crushing and was so, so different than what had been the case previously. So getting some of that back and continuing to take that on and, and learning the different ways that that means something to me uh, was huge. Yeah. I remember thinking when I read about the certification, I remember thinking, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. This is a good challenge and it will really let you know just you know because it was challenging and Definitely. I remember I remember you saying I've decided to do this I know this is going to be a challenge and yeah I remember cheering yeah <laughs> that's awesome um for women out there who are searching for information on prolapse and they're suffering like you know we we hear many some people, of them are suffering we hear many people <laughs> are suffering sure we hear many people are looking for information. Sure. We hear many people are like, I don't know what all the fuss is about because mm -hmm. like I've got nothing. I, I'm only here because someone told me to be here. Mm -hmm. What what would you say for the broad spectrum? You uh -huh. see, because there is no, you've got prolapse, therefore right. you will feel this, totally. this, this, and this. Yes. What would you advise them as somebody who continues on your mm -hmm. journey with prolapse? You know, the more I learn, um, both personally and professionally, the less advising I feel comfortable doing, and the more asking I am interested in doing. So I don't like blanket statements that are either framed positively or negatively. I've really struggled, language is important to me, and I've really struggled with you know, I had a very visceral ex reaction to you saying suffering. And I have a very visceral reaction to people 
Um, what's an example? Oh, also the idea of like, you don't have to live with this. Um, and I can kind of clarify that in a second, but I, I feel like I don't want to attach any meaning to somebody else's story that isn't theirs to have. And it was so important to me to be able and to continue to be able to tell what I'm feeling um, without being told what I'm feeling or what I should be feeling. Um, and so I'm, I'm really interested in just starting discussions and saying, here's what the research says in terms of prevalence. Uh, seems to be incredibly common. Uh, here's what it actually is. Here's what's happening. Um, how are you feeling about it? Why are you feeling that way? What led you to feel that way? Um, and really starting discussions with people. That's not necessarily the most scalable, like billboardable message, but I think that we have to understand that we have to ask questions before we assume that everyone who has prolapse is suffering or that everyone who has prolapse is fine um, or that they even know about it. Uh, I, I want people who are discussing this topic on a like social media platform or in their group exercise classes or working one-on-one -on -one with someone in a PT scenario, um, I, I want them to be more curious about it and, and dictate less about what it ultimately must mean. Um, because they're, you know, in, in the Facebook group I have, which has almost 4,000 people and through the process of, you know, having a course attached to this as well, like I'm, I'm talking to thousands of people and their experiences are so different uh, and there's such a range and the common bond seems to be that they want to be heard. They want to have someone talk to them about what they're feeling. They want to be validated in their experience. And there are going to be people on both, uh, both um, parts of that spectrum that, you know, for some people, they are suffering. They're really suffering. And they're, it's hard for them to get through the day. And then there are other people who just couldn't be less bothered by it at all. And, uh, and I don't think there's a one message that applies to everyone. I think respectfully disagreeing, it mm -hmm. sounds like your advice mm -hmm. is to keep asking questions. Sure, yeah, keep <laughs> asking questions. Um, but I also feel like maybe some people should stop asking questions <laughs> of, of themselves. You know, sure. I think that we get to, there's a very fine, I don't think it's a line, it's like a squiggly thing that maybe resembled a line at one point, but it's, uh, there's a, I start to get nervous when I start to talk to people who have so many questions that seem to, that are looking for either something that's gonna make it go away or something that's going to make this experience not, uh, something that's going to solidify what is happening. They're looking for closure um, in the actual entity of prolapse, not necessarily how they're feeling or processing prolapse. Um, and I, and those tend to be the people, this is a huge generalization, but they tend to be the people who have so many questions um, and they feel like those questions are, you know, it's like grasping for straws. And so sometimes it might be appropriate to ask fewer questions 
<laughs> or different questions, um, or you know, to have them be asked questions themselves. Um, questions are good generally, <laughs> but not always. Sure. You know, like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> always avoiding the oh. always and never, right? <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. No, fantastic. Um, thank you very yeah. much for your talk. And we're, we're going to get you and Anne-Marie on to talk about your program and to mm -hmm. talk about, you know, this, this, I suppose, is like the first part of the journey that led you to find people and then produce mm -hmm. a resource for women with pelvic organ prolapse. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on social media um, mm -hmm. and and they can discover the program for themselves, but we'll, mm -hmm. we'll definitely have you back on with mm -hmm. Anne-Marie about that. Yeah, uh, they can find me at on Instagram, at Haley Shevener, uh, Facebook, same thing. Um, I've got a website that no one goes to, HaleyShevener.com. Uh, and probably somewhere else, some random YouTube thing, uh, maybe some random Google search that I don't know about. I'm sure there are all sorts of things, but those are the main things that they'll find. Uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be the first, first place to find me. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you. your time. Yeah. I always learn and get reminded of great things. I love your insights and, um, yeah, I think what you've done to promote uh, a holistic, mm -hmm. you know, a holistic healthcare message for, for women has been sensational and uh, truly appreciated. And I know many, many PTs around the world really do worry, but also have stopped to think and listen because mm -hmm. of your message. So. Yeah, I want to say one more thing. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Um, often when I tell this story, what I start to get nervous about is that someone listening hears it this way. They mm. hear it in this sense of like, everything sucked, and then I stopped having symptoms. And I want to be really clear, because I don't always have the opportunity to say this next part, that that's not necessarily what happened or what is still happening. And that as I've gotten farther from the initial shock and awe of diagnosis, and as I've kind of meddled in different things and gone through different things in my life and whatever, as I've expanded my understanding of myself and this process, um, I, I want to invite the, the idea that you can have symptoms, you can have bad days, you can have bad weeks, bad months, you can have some shit happen um, and it can still lead you to making a podcast like this. Uh, I think that most people read my stuff, hear my story, hear some podcasts or interviews that I've given and they assume that I don't have bad days, mm -hmm. that I never had a bad day again, that I don't sometimes find myself on Google, uh, that I that I'm just fine, everything's good, I do whatever and I'm, I'm all I'm chill, whatever. Um, and that's not that's not true and I say that not to be like well hey you know what about me but I say that to suggest that 
that doesn't have to be the case because there will be people that listen to this and that have read some of my stuff and they'll say, well, yeah, but I, I still feel badly and I'm still kind of feeling in the thick of it. And so therefore this doesn't apply to me. And I would suggest that the biggest thing that I did, the biggest change that I made um, has been how I decide I'm going to look at it and how I see things from here on out. And that part of that has been opening up the possibility that things could get worse and that things could get irreversibly worse and that something I could do could make things worse. And I've come to a point now where I can be okay with that as well, um, which is kind of the 2.0 version in my story that it's, it's important to me that that part of it exists because I think it's so, we all want the happy story. We all want the person that says, and then I got better and I never had symptoms again and la-di-da, everything is, is roses and sunshine and I'm just sitting in the park and smiling all the time. And I don't think that that's realistic for any chronic condition like life. And there are going to be, you know, peaks and valleys and, and this, What's been really fun for me is to be more open to all of that, not just the like success story and the like hashtag, like woohoo prolapse. Um, so I, I just wanted to leave on that note, which hopefully is, is well received and not, not taken as a like, oh geez, where's this going? But, uh, but I think it's really important because we'd like to talk about the idea that like you you went to PT, you got all your symptoms fixed up, you went about your life, you do all the things you like, and then you never had another problem, mm -hmm. and it never came up again. And when people start to go back to what they love to do, and then they have that first instant instance of, oh, I'm, I'm having symptoms again, they freaking panic. And what has been really nice about the time that I've had uh, four-ish years to kind of play around with this is that every time I get to that point I panic a little bit less and that has expanded my range and allowed me to feel differently and explore more in more meaningful ways um, and not just having the like and then everything was fine mm -hmm. uh, so you know I think that a lot of people get left out of the rah-rah success story and uh, the like happy face emojis um, because they feel like they don't belong there based on their symptoms or their presentation or their experience or the fact that they are still struggling and suffering. And uh, it's really important to me that we are inclusive in this conversation and that it is realistic of the fact that, that there are going to be those people and that that's you know, at some level going to be okay. 100%. Yeah. It's a real journey mm -hmm. and it's not just a linear no. improvement mm -hmm. till success. Yeah. Um, and, you know, thank you for yeah. reminding me it's that, right. <laughs> that that's what I should have asked about. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, are there any other? Like, I know we could do this for hours, right? Yeah, that's, so. <laughs> that, that's good. That feels, that feels better to leave it on that note and to allow for the diversity of experience, not just in the various people, but in yeah. your own experience. Yeah, meeting people where we're at. Mm -hmm. um, I know Marika and I feel really strongly yep. about that. Yeah. It's about, well, what does our clients want? Totally. Well, what are their goals? Yeah. Where do where did they want us to help 
guide them towards. And yeah, and that's going to change. Hundred percent. And and that timely reminder that you know it's okay. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Yeah. And um, we're here for you no matter what. Yeah. You know. So uh, fantastic. Again, thank you very much. Really awesome. appreciated your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>